0: Funding for Encuentros is provided in part by the Reinhardt Foundation, Self-Sustainability for the Poor.
1: Hello, welcome to Encuentros. My name is Jeffrey Davidow of the Institute of the Americas on the campus of the University of California, San Diego. Today we have as our guest Jose Miguel Insulza, Secretary General of the Organization of American States. The OAS, as it's called, is the oldest regional organization operating in the world today. Mr. Insulza has a long history in Chilean politics and government he was foreign minister, minister of government there. And two and a half years ago, he took over the OAS as its leader, its secretary general, and has given that organization new impetus and a real focus on the question of democracy. Mr. Secretary General, welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. What is the state of democracy in Latin America today?
0: Well, I think that if you take democracy as a election, free election of governments, Democracy has improved greatly in the past two decades. Two decades ago we had a, a series of governments in Latin America which were not elected or were not really elected in meaning, meaningful processes. Uh, today we can say, and we, we say with, uh, with reason, because at the OAS we, we have observation missions in practically every election in Latin America, 33 since I got to, I came into office. And I can say that uh, there are clean elections in general. They are good elections. They, they, they really—they are not perfect, but the results that they that they bring are, are the, the truthful results. So in that sense, we have a lot of democracy. Now, for us, uh, according to our democratic charter of the Americas, the Inter-American Democratic Charter, uh, democracy is more than just free elections. It's also rule of law, uh, balance of powers, uh, plural political pluralism respect for human rights, respect, respect for freedom of expression. And I think in that sense we still have a long way to go, but we, we usually, we, we tend to have a, a positive view of the way democracy is going in the, in the region.
1: What authority or power does the organization of American state have in conditions in which a country may actually choose to elect itself out of democracy or legislate itself out of democracy? Uh, that's a
0: difficult position for you. It is a difficult problem. You know, there's a lot of uh, discussion among scholars. Uh, for one, Farid Zakaria, who really started the discussion with a, you know, a piece called "The Rise of Liberal Democracy," makes draws a clear distinction between democracy and freedom, and trying to say that democracy is just a procedure for electing and controlling governments and government and the, the democratic institutions. Can democratically do bad things to people. Other things it tend to include. Other people, tell, other definitions tend to include ours, for example. You know, democratic charter tend to include, for example, fundamental freedoms. So actually, if a country, according to U.S. to the OAS rules, if a country votes itself out of democracy, it's not democratic, and therefore you have to act. Well, you can act. I mean, the further you can, the further you can go is. Uh, Suspension of rights in the organization. You can ask him to to stay out of the organization. Uh, actually, there is no room in the OAS. Absolutely, no room for intervention. There's no no provision for the other countries to intervene in some country in which the democracy is not is not respected. I should say that the the, the problem we have the the, big, the problem is that uh, uh, we have several other several occasions in which you cannot say you you cannot realize that democracy has been bro- democracy has been broken. But some undemocratic measure has been taken in a country. So the problem is more in the intermediate levels. What, what can you do? Uh, there's no, uh, there's no uh, massive violation of democracy. There's no real threat to the, the future of the country. But sometimes things happen that you don't like. In those cases, you usually issue statements, but you don't really uh, have any kind of sanctions against the
1: countries. The The problem, you've stated that the problem with government in 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 latin america and the difficulties government face is the continuing high levels of poverty Mm -hmm. which produces populations that are unhappy discontented willing to think undemocratically because they don't see the value of democracy has latin america made any progress in dealing with poverty well i think that some progress have been has been made in the last the past years but
0: that after twenty decades after twenty years after two decades in which uh, nothing really progressed much in that direction. Actually, the rates of poverty in 1980 are similar to the ones we had at the beginning of this decade. That has improved in the last uh, four or five years. Uh, I would say that there's been a decline in poverty, which is not very large, but we're going well in two directions, in three directions. One is the economic growth. You can not distribute what you don't have. Second, you have um, Government programs are directed, directed to alleviate, alleviate poverty. And third, you have improvement of social services. I think those are the three things that governments are doing. With improvements, in, with more improvements in some countries that are such, than in others. You take, for example, in Brazil in the past years has really improved much in matters of poverty. Percentages have fallen. Chile has fallen from 42% poor in 1990 to about 13% poor now. Other countries have gone slower. But in general, I would say that uh, there's, uh, except for a a certain number of countries, uh, six or seven countries which are lagging behind, uh, countries are doing progress in in this matter. And we hope to fulfill the millennium goals, meaning to have uh, half less poor in, in 2015 than we had in 1990.
1: There's a lot of focus now in the American press and in the press in Latin America on the role of China economically in Latin America. Uh, what's happening? And, and is China's growing economy a benefit for all of Latin America?
0: It depends on the countries you're talking about. If you, this question you ask to the countries in the southern part of the hemisphere, Chile, Brazil, Argentina, Peru they will probably have a very positive view of the role of China in, in, in trade with with, with the region. The China is a great buyer of, uh, of Latin American commodities in this country. It buys a lot of copper. It buys a lot of, uh, of soybean. Uh, it buys a lot of iron ore. And uh, that's good for the countries. And China has invested even in those countries. And from the point of view of their own markets, it's not that much of a threat. If you go up north. To Central America or the Caribbean or uh, Central America and Mexico, you will probably find a less uh, less uh, uh, kind view a, kind, a less kind view because uh, they feel that the Chinese products compete very much with them and crowd them out of the of the u s market so it depends on the on the on the on the view you have now i don 't think that uh, in spite of in spite of all that i don 't think that the, the the influence of china in Latin America in trade is that high now. I think it's growing very, very strongly and probably will be a major player in the next years. but still the major investors and buyers and sellers in Latin America continue to be Europe and the United States.
1: Let me ask about some specific countries and in, in what the role of the OAS could be. Cuba, of course. Cuba is suspended from the Organization of American States, but there is expectation that there's going to be change in Cuba, whether it's this year, next year, twenty years. Does the OAS have ideas how it could aid in the democratic transition in Cuba? Uh, are you doing any planning for helping Cuba as it moves into a different stage of its uh, history?
0: Well, unfortunately, I have to say first that uh, Cuba, uh, that the U.S. Ex- excluded Cuba in '62, and therefore excluded... The OAS excluded. The OAS excluded, yeah. And therefore excluded itself from discussing the the Cuban transition. I've never been very much a partisan of the, of the exclusion. I think that we could do more if Cuba, we, had, we had more relations, more contact with Cuba. I'm not saying uh, a return of Cuba to the organization, because uh, for that they would have to accept the Inter-American Democratic Charter and uh, the Convention on Human Rights, and I'm not really sure how, how possible that is in a, in a short period of time. But I think that we, have a, we should have a, a better dialogue with Cuba Precisely on the, in the, in the, with the with the view in the, in the in the near future, in which some changes should happen in the Cuban government. Now, my my own view in this is that uh, you could certainly help democratic transition in Cuba by uh, the precisely trying not to to, to generate confrontation and to create a, a scenario of defeat or of one of part of the Cuban people by another part of the Cuban people. I mean the Cuban system has been there for, over, for almost 50 years, and if you are going to have a transition, I think it should be a transition more or less like the one that happened in the countries of Eastern Europe, and not a, not a, a, a traumatic transition. I think nobody in Latin America wants a traumatic transition. I think that they want to, to see improvement in the condition of, uh, of democracy and freedoms in Cuba. I think that they want, to, they want to see an opening in Cuba, but they look very much at an opening that includes everybody and not as a a defeat of of, of one one system by the other, but another one.
1: Let me ask about another country, and and, and not so much about the politics of Venezuela, because that's up to Venezuela in a way. Uh, Hugo Chavez has become the most colorful figure on the Latin American scene. He periodically attacks the United States, periodically meaning three or four times a day, But the U.S. response has been, I think, pretty measured, has not fallen into the trap of of engaging in rhetorical battles with him, while at the same time maintaining very heavy trade relations. Now, Chavez has attacked you, he's attacked the OAS. What's your strategy for dealing with him? Well,
0: I think that the, 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 the attitude of most countries in Latin America is precisely to engage Venezuela and to work with them and to include them in all the discussions and uh, try to uh, to avoid all kinds of problems and I I think that's very much the what's going on in the region. Uh, as for the OAS we want very much Venezuela to feel comfortable in the organization. We don't think that uh, we should that we should, that we think that the organization should be for all of them for all of us, and we have so, the rules of the organization which have to do basically with democracy and human rights. So sometimes we have a couple of couples with, with not only with that country, but with others. Sometimes our commission on human rights, which by the way is independent, uh, issues uh, statements and warnings about problems happening with different countries, or our court of human rights to Venezuela is a member of the court of human rights, uh, will t- take some, up some case dealing with that country. Uh, and uh, and we try to to the, always to do it in a constructive way. I mean, not not damaging relations, but rather putting uh, uh, warnings and, and the accent on issues that are really happening. Uh, and I think that we have done reasonably well today. We have had, as you remember, remember we have had a couple of uh, of big discussions with uh, with President Chavez, but that has left no. No permanent scars. No scars. And uh, I think that we, we we try to do our best. Venezuela is a member, very much a member of the organization, and I think we serve better the cause of the Americas and of, of an harmonic, peaceful continent by taking that taking up that role. Of course, we get a lot of pressure from a lot of people who want us to be more active, as as in some in, in, in previous decades against any country who is... with. Uh, with uh, uh, according to them,
1: not playing by the rules. I don't think that that's
0: the best thing to do today. I don't think that's what the Latin Americans want.
1: You have an understanding of Latin America, obviously, that's very deep. If you were to go to any city in Latin America and walk the streets and ask people what most concerns them, uh, what would be the most important issue that they would talk to you about? Well, they would talk about
0: three things. I mean, and this is general. I, I would hesitate to say that, the, that, the, the, that others would be included, maybe. And, but it's, uh, usually it's crime, it's jobs, and it's poverty. Sometimes it will be more specific and talk about health or education, but it's crime, it's jobs, it's poverty. Those are the issues uh, with Latin Americans face today. It's it's certainly and as- I, I would, it certainly seems... Sometimes they will be more specific in matters of crime, saying drug traffic. Right. Because everybody agrees that the drug traffic is the main problem, even though armed gangs and human trafficking and others still exist. But probably they will put the drug dealers in the middle of, as, as the most threatening figure for them in, in daily life.
1: And does the OAS have programs or an approach to helping countries deal with, with criminality?
0: Well, we have the Commission, the, 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 the Inter American Commission on the Control of the Abuse of Drugs. And it's, uh, it works a lot in the basically on the preventive and the and the, and the, uh, the, the, the rehabilitation issues. We work with countries. We actually uh, at a certain moment we took a higher role when the when all this problem of the certifications that the U.S. Congress was demanding for for countries uh, uh, reached a point in which it was creating problems of relations we were called upon to have a, a cooperative approach and we examine the situation of every country uh, every every year and we issue reports on how each country is doing on the on the fight against drugs but the, we don't get uh, we were the, but the OAS doesn't play a role and we and we work also in training in matters of training and capacitation and capacity building in the countries to fight against drugs we don't get directly involved in the operation of uh, of uh, uh uh, attacking drug trafficking. That's that's a matter of the police forces that we don't deal
1: with. You've mentioned in other interviews that uh, Latin America, although it's having relatively good economic growth now, remains the most unequal continent in the world. What, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean that uh, we're not the poorest region of the world,
0: in the sense that Latin America has an, 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 an per capita income which is re- relatively similar to world average, meaning that if you add up all all all, all countries' incomes and, and, and I mean all, all the world world, G, world GNP you divided by the number of of people the world has and you get a certain figure, Latin America's average is more or less the same, a little bit lower it's much higher than Africa, much higher than parts of Asia, much higher than the developing world in general, much lower than the developed world. So it's a middle middle continent and it doesn't make sense that the middle continent today has 40% poor. And that's, that's the, the first problem. And then that, and there, and one of the, of, the reason, of the reasons is that income is so badly distributed. Uh, the number of people in the lower, the, 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 the percent of, of, of income that the people in the two lower uh, the fifths of the population get is very, 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 very low compared to the highest 2%. And that's playing a role in increasing the number of poor people in Latin America. Now to be, to, 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 it's not easy to improve that. It's not easy to improve that we can, we, you can fight poverty, and that, you, and you can even win the fight against poverty and not have a, having poor people in the sense that uh, we, we, you, you could hope that uh, Twenty years from now, the people living on less than less than a dollar a day will have disappeared from Latin America with good programs and good uh, government services and all that. But to change the the pattern of distribution of income is more difficult. It's more difficult. Than it has to do with education. It has to do with taxes, the taxing systems. It has to do with uh, with uh, uh, salaries, the, the, the wages and salaries in all in all countries in latin america usually wages and salaries grow at a lower pace than the than the than the whole economy of the country so the the scales are are moving the other way around because we basically because we have very, we still have very very we not, do not have enough skilled labor and we have a le, every time less non skilled labor is 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 being left out of several industries before uh, non-skilled labor was very much in the agriculture, in mining, and so other things. As technology progresses, we are left with, the, with more unskilled workers out of a job, and that will certainly continue to to, uh, to create a lot of injustice
1: in society. Talking about unskilled workers and, and people without jobs, of course, one major issue in the United States is migration from Latin America to the United States and from other places as well. But there are internal problems of migration in Latin America from one country to another, from rural areas to cities. Is that a, a major social problem? It is a
0: problem for some countries. and said, uh, Let me, for example, let me just, just give you a couple of examples because I'm going to go into, into, into them a little bit more depth. One is, for example, the, the, the migration from, from, from Haitians. Haitians migrate a lot to, to the U.S., yes, but they may migrate more to the Dominican Republic. So the Dominican Republic has a problem of about 700,000 mig- Haitian migrants, give or take, which is a, a proportion-wise a very large amount for, for a country which is about 12 million in the Dominican Republic. Argentina has traditionally received a lot of migrants, not only from Europe, but also from its neighboring countries from Paraguay, from Bolivia, even from Chile. Um, and, uh, but the, the, the interesting thing is how countries deal with those problems. Some have, I mean, well, in the case of the Dominican Republic, they have they have had a, some kind of an open policy, but they are overwhelmed by the number of people there and there, which is very much uh, creating a lot of pressure on social services on educational services, et cetera. And Argentinians have a way of doing things that they have managed to deal with, with uh, the... With, uh, with the migration without throwing anybody out without having a repressive policy or relationship policy, they have opened very much their services, and that has created a a better situation in the in the region because every country tends to follow suit if the most if the country that receives more migrants, receiving more migrants tends to have a more open policy, of course, the rest are going to play the same role so even though we have a lot of people say that migration is bad, blaming everything on migrants, blaming everything on foreigners. I would say that in the southern part of the of the continent, there is a lot of migration, but migration has not created a political problem very strongly. And let me say very frankly that the role of the Argentinian government in that direction is very, very important. They are the ones who get more migrants. And they are the ones that least complain. <laughs> that's a, that's a very, very, very special situation.
1: It is. Generally in Latin America, there's... Two complaints about the United States, or U.S. policy. One is the United States is not paying enough attention to Latin America. And then at times when the United States, through history, has paid a lot of attention, the complaint is the United States is too much involved in Latin America, Um, recognizing that you represent a neutral institution. Speaking personally, where are we in this balance right now? Well,
0: first, let me say that yes, you, when when when, you, when when a new administration starts, you usually read we uh, read pieces in the pay in the, in the specialized magazines. Uh, what the, what's the what are the big problems for the next administration? You Usually, don't find Europe there. I mean, I remember one when the when the when when, the, when President Bush was to start his second term, it was a piece by Richard hassen. In foreign policy, and I don't remember in what, in what in which she mentioned all the all the problems, and Europe was not there, Mexico was not there. There were no crises. I think that many times you tend to confuse priorities with crises. Because of course, uh, leaders in a country, especially in a country that has so many interests in the world, tend to have a tend to to, to, to to discuss their crisis every day. And not their priorities I every mean, the, day. The priorities are what they are. I think that Latin America, in that sense, is very, is still continues to be very important for the U.S., even though probably the president doesn't speak, speak about Latin America that much. Second, I think that we have issues. I mean, you just mentioned migration. I mean, to talk about uh, uh, the big problems of migration the U.S. faces, to put it from the point of view of those who think that's a big problem. Is to talk about Latin America. I mean, most of those migrants are coming from Latin America, from, from Mexico, from Central America, from the South. Uh, you have a trade problem. Trade issues are very important. Trade continues to be very important between uh, Latin America and the United States. We have energy issues, energy contamination, global warming, which we're well all the same in the same uh, in the same place for for, the, for that matter. We have crime matters. I mean, uh, crime is time more transnational. And drug traffic and uh, uh, money laundering and other things. Do you have to do with all the hemisphere? So we have an agenda. If agenda is a series of points dealing with uh, with the relations between Latin America and the U.S., a series of issues. But we don't have common answers, and we have had little policy dialogue in the last uh, in the last years. I think. I think we should have. A, and I'm I'm very hopeful in that sense from the point of view of the OAS. We are looking forward to the next uh, summit of the Americas in 2009 to see if the presidents are with, uh, the leaders are in, in, with new administrations in practically every country are able to deal with um, with uh, uh, the, 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 the with this kind of policy discussion on the relevant issues. The, I mean, I'm not saying that it's possible to find solutions for everything, but at least start working on the agenda in, term of, in terms of terms uh, of policy discussions on relevant issues,
1: and not just say that we are we have a lot of common problems. Yeah, so the issue is to, to recognize that there's a very broad agenda, and it's not just one issue, and sometimes in the United States, the one issue is migration, or the one issue is narcotics, but there's trade, environment, much else. On trade, the United States has free trade agreements with a number of countries in Latin America. Uh, is this something that's helpful to Latin America uh, in, is it something that we should be pursuing uh, with other nations as well?
0: Well, I think that it's, it's been helpful for, for the countries that have signed the agreements. I'm, I come from one of them, as you know, I'm from Chile, and there's no, there's no argument that the, the, the agreement between Chile and the United States has been good, good for both countries. I mean, the trade has improved, has increased a lot, and has increased very much. and the, we are still uh, big buyers from the U.S. I think that we uh, we, we may, still we have a deficit with the U.S. in terms of balance of trade. For Mexico, is that's and uh, an, 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 of course uh, it's uh, uh, no, nobody can argue. Nobody would dream today of of, of, of not having the the NAFTA. And the signs in the countries that do have that have agreements with the uh, with the U.S., especially the Central American countries, are also beginning to be good. They have helped. They have helped, and and we hope—I sincerely, very much hope—that the U.S. Congress will approve soon the the trade agreements uh, reached with Peru, with Panama, with Colombia, and probably that will put an end to a certain period of uh, bilateral trade agreements. Not because other countries don't want them, but uh, because uh, probably there's no room for an agreement with 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 Bolivia and Ecuador. They should keep their—they should have their. Preferential treatments that they do have that the Congress usually approves for them, and then the matter with the with the Mercosur countries Argentina, uh, Brazil, Argentina, Brazil of course Uruguay and Paraguay are also members. We'll have to wait until something happens in the Uruguay round, in the excuse me, in the Doha round, because uh, the, the, the the agricultural problems, uh, agriculture and uh, problems and uh, industrial property problems are very are very important for those countries. And I don't think that they would be willing to go into any kind of trade agreements aside until those problems are solved at the Uruguay Round, at the, at the Doha Round. You so keep talking about the Uruguay Round. That, is, that was when I was foreign minister for years ago. Um, so uh, so I think that, uh, that we have to to, to to look at that matter and say we already have a lot of bilateral agreements. Maybe what, what could be done to promote the, the trade would be trying to sort all, all those I mean, to standardize all those agreements, and have so just one free trade area, which would probably be a possibility, uh, several countries, because there are also several agreements. It's not only the U.S. with Mexico, with uh, Canada, with uh, Central America, with, with Colombia, uh, Peru, uh, uh, Panama, and Chile. It's also these countries among themselves. Something said that this all these free trade agreements look like a spaghetti bowl, I mean, with everything mixed inside there. Maybe a possibility to enhance the cost of trade in the future would be uh, to try to reach uh, common rules for all of these and, and standardize them into, all, into just one, one free trade agreement. And I hope that once the Doha round is, round is concluded, the possibility of including the countries of the, of the, of the Atlantic side of South America also exists.
1: Well, that's something to look forward to. I want to thank you for being with us. Our guest today has been Jose Miguel Enzulsa, Secretary General of the Organization of American States. Thank Thank you very much. Thank you.